0: Welcome to the My Faith Votes Podcast. I'm Megan West. And on this week's episode, we talk with Lila Rose, president and founder of Live Action, which is a human rights movement dedicated to building a culture of life and ending abortion. Lila and I talked about facing censorship on social media, the current presidential candidates, the flurry of laws being passed across the country regarding abortion, as well as how becoming a mom is impacting her mission. I learned so much from Lila, and I know you will too. You're the founder and president of Live Action, and you're in the news lot because you're on the forefront of the abortion just the discussion in this country but i want to talk and jump right into truth and censorship because you're facing that right now as we speak so talk a little bit about what you faced as an organization and what you're going through right now and being fact checked for false information
1: sure so we are facing some form of censorship or suppression from most of the social media platforms And the context here is we host the largest following for the pro-life movement on social media. So we have over 3.6 million people following us and we're putting out content every day, videos and articles on the pro-life subject to millions of people. So what we've seen is this concerted effort by multiple platforms to either suppress or outright silence us. And just to list a few of them, you mentioned um, fake news or false information rating. So this just happened really recently but Facebook, where we have over three million people following us, they sent an alert to thousands of our followers, actually followers of my Facebook page saying that the follower had shared false information by sharing one of the videos that I posted. And this was a video, there's one of me and one of an OBGYN, a board certified um, doctor, and they were explaining why abortion was never medically necessary. And uh, Facebook announced this fact checking system where they now have third party fact checkers and there were two abortionists that they had write this article that wrote an article trying to attack live action, attack our statements, even though thousands of medical professionals agree that abortion is not medically necessary. And Facebook used these two abortionists as justification for saying that live action was incorrect and then publicly made this announcement and then put a strike against my account and Live Action's account, which would mean that we could be limited in getting our information out to millions of people. So that was the latest. I could walk through several other examples that have been really serious, but it's a daily battle to push back against the censorship and the suppression in coming from big tech because they are very, they're run by a lot of pro-abortion ideologues.
0: So do you feel like it's becoming more intense and has this year really ramped up a lot of discussion because there's been so much happening on both sides of the aisle?
1: You know, I, I think it's always been there as far as the the mentality in Silicon Valley, you could say where a lot of these tech companies are from, is a very far left and pro-abortion mentality. And so it's been under, it, it's it's been this current of, of thought, but lately I've seen them get more and more aggressive. So what happened, what Facebook did in publicly calling pro-life basic information that is, is is not, it is a debate in the medical community, but then for them to take a side and say abortionists are the right, two, these two abortionists get to speak for everyone, or Twitter banning us from advertising when Planned Parenthood is allowed to advertise on the platform freely. So I do think it's always been an issue. I think it is increasing in the It's occurrence is increasing, and I think we should be really concerned before the 2020 election.
0: Right, so how do you fight that? Because in your position when you're in the news a lot and when you're speaking very unapologetically about pro-life issues and you keep getting pushed back, how do you stand for that? And then how do you encourage Christians to kind of be aware of what's going on and how to fight back as well? Sure.
1: So I think it's a great question, and I think there's a few things. First of all, I think when we're talking about censorship or suppression, we need really clear-cut examples of it. I do see a lot of folks on the right or from the conservative world saying, I'm getting you know censored because I have less views on my videos or things like that, and it could be the case. But I think um, in the cases that we report on at live action, they're very clear cut. They're very clear double standards where they treated us in a way that was differently, and we can prove it, than say a pro-abortion group. Um, So I think that's the first thing. As far as fighting back, one of the things that has been effective for live action is making as much noise as possible. You can't just let it happen and not say anything. Um, I was actually at the White House um, a couple months ago speaking at the summit that that the Trump administration had about social media and some of the suppression and censorship happening. So taking those opportunities, you know, we're, we're a nonpartisan organization, but if there's any opportunity to speak out about the censorship or the suppression, we do that. And then we try to work with the company as best we can and try to communicate as much as we can with the leadership there to say, look, what's going on? Maybe it was an honest mistake. Let's try to talk through this and get down to what really their position is as best we can. And then the last thing is legal. We are, we have sent some demand letters to some of these companies and we are looking at legal options right now against both Facebook and YouTube.
0: So let's move into the legislation side and just the polar opposite of laws being passed in this country from New York then to Alabama. Speak to what's happening in our country and why you think maybe this is ramped up this particular year.
1: Sure, I, it's been a phenomenal year for life to see Alabama and Georgia and all of these states come out with either complete abortion bans, so complete protections for preborn children or heartbeat bills, which are awesome because they protect most children, and sometimes depending on, on the legislation, virtually all children in that state from abortion. So we celebrate that. The work for that had been ongoing for, you could even say decades, but certainly years before this crop of legislation we saw in 2019. And that is where pro-life people have stood up in those states and said, we are going to only vote pro-life and we're only going to vote for pro-life legislators. And they've built super majorities in their legislatures and then getting the governor that's a pro-life governor in office in order to ensure that pro-life legislation is passed. And I think the other thing that they've done is they've not taken cues from national legislative pro-life groups. They've taken cues from what they want to do and they want to go all the way. Because I think nationally and federally, what's possible might be less because we don't have a pro-life supermajority right now. You know, we have a pro-abortion Senate and even when we had a Senate that, or we we have a pro-abortion House now, and even when we had a Senate that was slightly a majority at the federal level, there's always this concern about a filibuster so you can't get anything through. But when you have a supermajority, a pro-life supermajority in some of these states, like in Alabama, you can pass complete legal protection for that child. And you should. And that's what Live Action has been encouraging the movement to do for the last 10 years. And educating and mobilizing people is saying, look, seize seize whatever you can take in your state. Don't wait for someone to give you permission. Don't wait for Roe v. Wade. Don't wait for anything. Do the most legal protection you can do today for the the child in the womb and to defend women.
0: So just kind of piggyback on that a little bit, I have seen some news stories where there's been a little discussion within the pro-life movement that they shouldn't be passing heartbeat bills because they fear there's too much legislation involved and it won't actually get to Roe v. Wade. So what do you say to kind of that sentiment happening in a few states where pro-life organizations are not even on the same page? Sure,
1: well listen, we don't control the Supreme Court. Um, they are independent justices who decide which cases to hear and which cases that they can then decide on. And we also have a court composition right now. The people on the Supreme Court are not all in our favor as we know. And right now I don't think it's as favorable as it could be maybe in a few more years as there might be changes to the court. And we hope that we'll have more changes in the future to the court, especially if the, if in 2020 Trump is reelected and he can, he has, he does get the opportunity to appoint someone else who's, who has an actual originalist view of the Constitution and will defend life. So when it comes to legislation at the state level, my strong position is, and and live action when when we get into the legislative world at all, which is infrequent, but we do have a position, is we are fighting for complete legal protection. And the time is now. And when the time is right for the Supreme Court or they choose to hear the case, there are a lot of angles that they could go, and I do, I do understand, especially at the, the federal level, legislation that's designed for Sup- the Supreme Court to potentially take it up and be favorable. But at the end of the day, I think there's plenty of if you get someone like Clarence Thomas, he just wrote an excellent dissent on the case about um, the the they denied, they refused to hear the case on um, sex-selective abortion and race-based abortion. And if you get a justice who actually understands that the right to life is paramount, that you can find it in the current constitution for all people if you properly interpret the current, our constitution as it stands, it doesn't really matter the case. So I think that my my position is we should do the best we can at the state level to get complete as much legal protection as possible. If a court strikes it down, you keep fighting and we work hard to win elections. So we have the opportunity and I speak here independently of live action because when we talk about elections, my job is, you know, I can back the candidate live action, encourages people to vote, but we should try to get people in office who are going to appoint judges who will be pro-life and who will support the right to life.
0: Absolutely, so when you show up at the ballot box, what are you looking for in a pro-life, so to speak, candidate?
1: Sure, so first of all, I want to see a record of standing for life. Um, I'll be honest, when in 2019, 16 happened and we had a whole field of candidates that were saying they were pro- pro-life on the Republican side, um, you know, Donald Trump was not my first choice because he didn't have a tra- that track record. Well, now he has much more of a track record after almost four years in office. And I think the track record is really important. You look at not just what they say, but what they've done for life. And I think you also, you know, I, we, live action is nonpartisan. We do not take sides Republican versus Democrat, but we have to acknowledge that unfortunately, the Democratic Party has sold themselves to the abortion industry. I mean, their platform is 100% pro-abortion for any reason through all nine months. It's very rare you find a pro-life Democrat. So I know that some people are independents or even they're Democrats and they're Christians, and I very much can empathize because I think that there are important issues on both sides. But the protection of human life, especially when they're the most defenseless from the, the violence of an abortion, I don't think there's anything more important when we go to the voting box. And so I know that there's lots of other issues to consider, but I would say life should be first, and the track record of the candidate should be something that we look up to make sure that it's there in defending life.
0: Right. So we talked a little bit about truth at the very beginning, and there are presidential candidates running right now that say there's a different biblical worldview of when life begins. So how do you talk to a culture that doesn't have a biblical worldview about life and what we stand for. And, what and we're talking like. about Mayor
1: Pete, yes. I assume. Mm-hmm. Yes, well, I don't know that Mayor Pete has ever read the Bible, or if he has, he's lying about it. Because there's not a biblical worldview that says that you can commit an abortion, you can, you can kill a child. That's not something that Christ would ever back, and it's not something that's biblical. So you're going to hear people lie straight up lie about Christianity, uh, that has been, from the time of Christ, people have lied about who Christ is, and they've been, they say, false prophets, or wolves in sheep's, sheep clothing, sheep's clothing. I think the Bible's very clear. I mean, Christ came into the world as an embryo, you know. When Mary conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit, the Virgin Mary, that was Jesus before he was born, just as much it was Jesus after. And when Mary goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth and the Gospel of Luke, Elizabeth says that my baby in her womb, John the Baptist jumped for joy because he was in the presence of Mary and his Lord Jesus who was also an embryo at the time. So the Bible is full of these, this incredible celebration of preborn life and it talks a lot about prohibitions against killing the innocent and the importance of caring for children and the vulnerable. So I don't think there's any debate, there should not be any debate for any Christian about the primacy of the right to life as far as issues that we should care about, and about where God stands on defense of human life and his love for this, for all human life. We were made in his image and likeness. So politicians are gonna lie, but I think that any Christian should look at that and just say, you're lying, and I'm not going to be paying attention to you or believe what you're saying
0: something I thought that was really interesting, at least with my circle of friends who are Christians and we're looking at the pro-life issues happening this year. And I thought it was interesting that the argument that came out watching the legislation, particularly in Alabama, they said, well, you're not pro-life enough because you're not supporting all the pro-life initiatives after. It seems like you're more pro-birth than pro-life. And I hear that a lot in the media, that the pro-life movement isn't pro-life enough, so to speak. So how do you combat that message, especially when there is so much going on?
1: First of all, it's I think very hypocritical of media groups to say you're not pro-life enough because you're fighting to end abor- stop abortions. Because first of all, they're not they're in support of abortion. I mean, most media today supports abortion. Most editors and journalists they love they think abortions of women's right. So for them to say, well, you're not actually pro-life because you want to stop abortion and you're not focusing on a million other issues, they they don't actually agree with you on abortion. They want abortion. They want it to be supported legally and they want it in our country. Um, Apart from that, I mean, listen, I agree, I think that we should fight for all human lives before and after birth. The reason I have dedicated my life to, so much of my life to this cause is because there are three, nearly 3,000 children a day being legally killed by abortion. And there's nothing else that compares as far as a legally supported crime against our most vulnerable. You can talk a lot about other issues, and I think other issues matter. I'm not saying to ignore other issues like how we care for the poor or immigrants. I mean, these are all biblical mandates for us to care for those that are the least of these, to welcome the stranger, to visit the prisoner, all of these things. But if we are, in order to do so, voting for a candidate that supports killing a child in the womb, and helping abortion industry groups like Planned Parenthood profit off of taxpayer dollars and the deaths of children, then I don't think that that's acceptable. I don't think that that's in line with in really voting as a Christian.
0: You've been at this since you were 15, and it's been your passion. You're going to become a mom soon. Has that changed, deepened your passion? Is there a different perspective you have now that you're gonna be a mom?
1: It makes it more emotionally um, intense. I think it's always so. I've always been extremely passionate about this because you learn about abortion, you're like, oh my gosh, there's children that are being killed and, and how it's hurting women and families. But becoming a mom now, to my baby's not born yet, <laughs> you know, 25 <laughs> weeks right now, um, it just makes it all that more, all the more real. Um, the fact that my baby is not legally protected in the state of California. And you know, my child, children this age, every day are being killed by abortion. I mean, it is heartbreaking. So I think being a mom just inspires me to fight
0: even more. So as we go into 2020, what advice would you give to those of us preparing to vote? What issues do we need to be watching for as far as legislation coming up mm-hmm. and really speaking out for the unborn?
1: Sure. So I think we need to put life front and center I think that the media and other politicians are going to try to deflect the importance of this issue by bringing up other issues and deflect against the importance of bringing up other issues and saying, well, what if, you don't care about immigrants or you don't care about you know this other issue. And I think we should care about all of these things. But at the end of the day, we have to vote pro-life. I think that vote—it's it, not acceptable as a Christian to vote for a candidate who supports the killing of children in the womb, and every single leading Democratic candidate right now, this is a tragedy by the way, Democrats should be for the little guy, should be for those that are in need, the the, the, the disenfranchised, but every single leading Democratic candidate right now for President is in support not just of abortion, but abortion through all nine months, for any reason, with no restriction, taxpayer funded. even. Biden, who was against taxpayer funding for abortion, the Hyde Amendment protects us against that. He said, actually, now I am okay with it and I support it, having taxpayers directly reimburse for abortion. When you're dealing with that kind of extremism and that kind of bald disregard, disrespect for children, for innocence, I think it's very clear. And when when it comes to the voting booth that you at least can't vote for them. You know, I understand people that say, well, I can't vote for, you know, I can't vote the re-election of Donald Trump because I have all of these other concerns. Everybody has to vote their conscience. 100% people have to vote their conscience. But our conscience should be formed by the facts of where the candidate stands. And those Democratic candidates, they are for abortion through all nine months. And it needs to be formed by how God sees the preciousness and value of human life, which is at the forefront. We cannot ignore it or deny it. It is a prime one of the prime it is the prime issue that I believe God cares for is the is the innocent and the lives of the innocent. And we can bring a biblical worldview when we vote. Of course, of course. I mean that's our 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 entire our declaration of independence says that we're endowed by our Creator with certain inalienable rights. This is not something where we leave our faith and our morals and our values outside the voting booth and we walk in with whatever other worldview we've suddenly adopted. We go in there and we're authentic to who we are and what we believe because who we are and what we believe helped create this great country that we all love.
0: Absolutely. Well, Lila, we so appreciate the work that you're doing. Thank you for standing boldly and being courageous. We'll be praying for you in your ministry and just as you take a stand for life in this country. So thank you so much. Thank you. You can learn more about My Faith Votes and join our mission at myfaithvotes.org.